One thing with it being officially Christmas season that maybe you do with your family is watch movies that you only watch during this Christmas season. Maybe you're a fan of the Hallmark cheesy Christmas movies, um, probably for this maybe for the ladies, um, or maybe yeah, watching movies like Home Alone or Elf. Or, you know, some of these Christmas classics, or maybe you just turn on the TV and you know they've always are playing and running um, the different Christmas specials that are being played and you just uh, cozy up on the couch with your family and watch these different specials. And um, one, one of those things that I guess you can call it a movie, it's only about 30 minutes, this special that I'm sure you've probably seen before, called A Charlie Brown Christmas. Have you guys seen this before? Yeah. Charlie Brown Christmas. If you don't, here's a little bit of the background. So Charlie Brown is kind of depressed to start off. <laughs> He's kind of sad and uh, in the dumps a little bit because he, he enjoys decorating, but like he just still feels sad. Everyone else who looks around is really happy and upbeat because like it's Christmas season and we're supposed to be happy, but it doesn't quite like fit for him. And he's like, oh man, like I don't quite get Christmas and I'm kind of sad about it. So he's trying to figure out, man, what can I do to cheer myself up? If you remember that special, he goes over to um, this little booth that's set up and this lady named Lucy comes over, friend Lucy comes over and it, on the top it says like psychiatric center or something like that. Like, oh here, he's going to like help solve your problems. And um, she tells you of all the, like, the phobias, like, oh, you must have schizophrenia or like all these different things. And it's like, well, okay, whatever. And she's like, oh, I, I know what you should do to feel better this Christmas. You should be the director of our Christmas play. And Charlie Brown's like, okay, like, sure. And then Charlie Brown ends up doing it. So he says, okay, I'm going to try to feel better by being in charge of the Christmas play. And as he's in charge of directing and figuring it out, they say, hey, we need a Christmas tree. And now you're probably queuing, okay, now I remember this. Charlie Brown gets tasked to go out and find a Christmas tree for um, the play. And he goes out and he's looking and he sees all these metal looking ones. And he's like, oh, they're like super bright and good. He's like, oh, I don't like that one. Eventually he finds this one because, and he likes it because it's, it's a real tree, but it's a, it's a sad looking little tree. If you remember seeing it, just a sad little sprout there. And he's like, this is going to be perfect for our Christmas play. And he like grabs it and he brings it over and he shows the rest of the cast and they say, we love it. This is, a, no, that's, if you remember, that's not what happens. They say like, wow, Charlie Brown, you really screwed it up again. <laughs> like, poor Charlie Brown just gets slandered by his friends. I wrote down some of the things they said. They were like, um, they say, oh, Charlie Brown, boy, are you stupid, Charlie Brown. Man, you can't depend on Charlie Brown. You're hopeless, absolutely hopeless. It's like, oh, man, this is a kid's show. They're, like, making fun of him. Like, what are we teaching these kids? Like, they just make fun of him. And once again, Charlie Brown feels sad, and he's frustrated, and he's like, man, I try to do one good thing to cheer myself up because everyone else is happy on Christmas, but here I am. I guess I don't seem to get Christmas. And one line that he says is like, well, I guess I don't get Christmas. What even is Christmas all? about. If you remember, his friend Linus jumps in and Linus says, I can tell you what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. From there, remember, he steps out in the spotlight and zooms in on Linus. And what he says next, what Christmas is all about, is the passage that we're actually going to look at today in Luke chapter 2. Go and turn your, into your Bibles if you're not there already. We need to remind ourselves what Christmas is all about. And 
It's a time for us to be joyful, a time for us to be grateful and thankful and celebratory in nature, but oftentimes, maybe during this season, we can be tempted to feel like Charlie Brown does, where everyone else seems to kind of be happy or people around me tend to seem happy, but oh, I don't always feel that really happy. Or man, I didn't get the thing I was hoping to get and now I'm a little frustrated. Or oh, I had this whole family get together and my cousins were getting into my room and oh, it's, it's, it's annoying and now I don't feel very happy. What even is Christmas all about anyways? Why should I feel joyful? Well, this passage is going to tell us why we have a reason to rejoice. And even though it's a simple and elementary message that we're going to hear, it's something that we need to be reminded, I think, every year during this season about what our focus needs to be. Luke chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 8. This is right before Mary gives birth to Jesus. Sorry, right after Mary gives birth to Jesus. In verse 8, we switch from the scene looking at the birth of Jesus over now to a different scene, the shepherds in the field. So verse 8. We're going to focus on verses 10 and 11, but let's get some flow of what happens before. Verse 8 says, In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. So you can picture it. Picture kind of similar to maybe a scene that you're seeing behind me right now. You see the, maybe the grass fields are rolling out, and there's sheep, and the, sh- the shepherds are in charge of making sure the sheep are protected, that wolves don't come in and eat them, and protection around them, and make sure they, they have enough food and all that, taking care of them. And maybe it's nighttime. Maybe the shepherds are chilling. It's like, okay, we're trying to get some rest. You can picture that scene. Starry night skies is usually what I picture. They're just out there keeping watch over their flocks. Verse 9, all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. I mean, picture that scene right there. Imagine you're one of the shepherds, and all of a sudden, it's just a clear, picturesque nighttime skyline, and all of a sudden, an angel appears in the sky. Like, Imagine you're like trying to doze off a little bit and then all of a sudden like there's a bright light shining. It's like if you're like say trying to sleep and then like your parents like open the door and like the bright light from the hallway like shines in your room and you're like, what is happening? You're like discombobulated a little bit and you're like, man, am I getting attacked right now? It's like someone's breaking into my house. It's like, I can picture the shepherds like, what is going on right now? There's this bright thing in the sky. What is happening? And the proper response as we see they had is like, they're afraid. Great fear is what it describes. They're like, what is happening? Are we being attacked? Are we being ambushed? Like, like aliens? What's going on right now? They probably weren't thinking about aliens, but what's happening? Verse 10, and the angel speaks up, said this to them, fear not. So first thing, hey, Everyone calm down a little bit. <laughs> you know, you're fr- maybe you're freaking out. There's a Nathan Yovson maybe translation like, I know you're freaking out right now. Just, just calm down a little bit. Next, fear not, for behold. Now you remember that. We looked at a passage last week where it said the same phrase, for behold. And I hinted to that whenever we see this idea of for behold, and you see that phrase in scripture, especially in narrative um, sections, it's important for us to take that as, hey, pay attention. For behold is the idea of, hey, look at this. Pay attention to this. Why should we pay attention? Because there's something really important that's going to be happening. In scripture, whenever you see for behold, something really significant is about to happen. So angel says, calm down. Now for behold, listen up, pay attention. Says this, I bring you good news of great joy 
that will be for all people. So hey, I've got some good news to tell you. And this news that I tell you is going to bring great joy, not only to you, but to all people. It's going to bring great rejoicing. Well, what is it? Spit it out. Tell me. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day, today, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. These shepherds are probably fairly familiar with the Old Testament and have heard through growing up and studying the Old Testament that there is this coming Messiah, this one who's going to be the Savior of the world is coming. All throughout the Old Testament, they were looking for, looking for this Messiah, Messiah, Messiah. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. This Savior, this anointed one is coming. The good news is, hey, that Savior that you've been waiting for today is born. I mean, think about the response that that would cause in the shepherds. I mean, it clearly stirs up great fear. And after um, the angel tells them where to go, they go over and, and find Jesus. There's this great excitement because of this good news. See, this is what Christmas is about. And you can say, well, why should we be joyful? I don't feel very joyful. We should be joyful and be grateful this Christmas season because of the birth of Christ. Pay attention to, behold, listen to this good news. We need that reminder as well. Because you can picture the scene of the angel in the night sky. That's pretty hard to miss if you're a shepherd out there in the field. If all of a sudden an angel appears in the sky, you're going to pay attention. You're going to focus on what the angel has to say. There, it was hard for the shepherds to miss the good news about, oh man, this good news about Christ? Okay, I'm paying attention because there's a big spe- uh, spectacle happening in front of me. But with all that goes on during the Christmas season, all the potential distractions and things that we're tempted to think about, I could very quickly pull us away and cause us to think Christmas is about all these other things and not put our focus on what it ought to be. Point number one, write it down this way. We need to focus on Jesus this Christmas. Focus on Jesus this Christmas. We have all the festivities, the decorations, family gatherings, the winter activities. It's easy for us to be so consumed about those things that we forget what really matters. I want to make clear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we shouldn't partake in all the festivities that come along with Christmas. No, there's plenty of fun things that happen during Christmas time. I mean, like, what are some of your favorite things about this Christmas season? I mean, I can think through some of mine. Some of mine, growing up, Like every day, or one time each year, usually was the day after Thanksgiving, a whole family in the morning would spend time like decorating the house. And you'd turn on Christmas music and you'd pull down the tree, or maybe you're someone who um, would go and cut down a a live tree. We didn't do it. We just had the box, box up tree. And so we'd pull it out and put the lights on and uh, put them outside of the house. And you guys have done that or have yet to do that? That's a fun thing, right? It's a really fun thing. I really enjoyed it. Another thing I really love about Christmas season, Christmas cookies. I mean, you can picture being in the kitchen and the delicious smell of those sugar cookies being made or whatever type of cookies you made. Or maybe you have the dough out and you have the little, uh, um, what are they called? Cookie cutters. cookie cutters. There you go. Yeah, duh. Cut the cookie. Cookie cutter. That's what the different shapes of like a star or like a snowman. You're like cutting them through or you're like... Um, 
I remember the frosting and made sure to add like tons of frosting and then you're eating the cookies and you're just like, oh, this is so good. Like some of my favorite memories um, from Christmas time. Or maybe one time each year you go out with your family, you all load up into the car and you drive around looking at Christmas lights. Does anybody do that? Uh, it's something we would do every year. Super fun. And you learn kind of the good neighborhoods to go to. Like, oh man, this one is like stacked. You got to check out like over here. Like, oh, we're going to stay away from this neighborhood. Like, like you figure it all out and you're just like looking at all the lights. Or maybe you go out and literally walk around um, when it's cold out. And it's like, wow, that's, that's a lot of fun. It's, it's a lot of good things. How about this? Maybe to celebrate during Christmas, you do fun winter activities such as ice skating. I love ice skating. Hopefully you're coming uh, ice skating with us on New Year's Eve. It's going to be great. But just to get in the season, you're like, okay, I'm going to go ice skating. Or maybe your family likes to go up to the mountains, go up in the snow, maybe snowboarding, skiing, or building a, a, a snowman, snowman out of snow, uh, building like a course to like ride down the sled down the hill, like all those fun things. Like you enjoy these things about Christmas, right? Like not just me. I'm not the only one who, who likes Christmas. You guys like Christmas too? Like so many good things. Like I was just writing down these things. What, what about this? Picture this. It's the end of the day. You get a bunch of blankets. You get some hot cocoa. You cozy on up at the couch with your family, everyone there. You got the popcorn, and right there, you're watching those Christmas classics there on this. Like, isn't that so fun? So good. How about this? Family get-togethers. Maybe those aren't as fun for you. I would always enjoy them, usually on Christmas Eve. Bring family all together, and we're going to eat a bunch of delicious food, like pot roast or steak, and like, mmm, it's going to be a lot of good desserts. Like a lot, I mean, tons of good things about Christmas. How about this? I mean, we didn't even get to presents yet. I mean, like, did anybody like presents? Is that just me? Like, yeah, we like the presents. Oh, no, presents are overrated. Forget presents this year. Like, I mean, you had, like, the anticipation of, like, man, I, I had this on my list, and now I'm, like, trying to figure out what's in the box based off, like, how big it is and, like, what I asked for. And, like, it's sometimes like, you're shaking it, and it's like, hey, you're not allowed to touch it. Like, yeah, some of you trying to sneak around, like, figure out what it is. It's like, and then you open it up, and it's like, Wow, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted, and you're stoked and psyched about that. Or how about this? Christmas music. Yeah. Christmas music. Unless you're like a Scrooge and like, I don't like Christmas music. Like, okay, like, it doesn't mean you have to listen to it like year round, but like this season was so many good things about Christmas. Amen? Amen. Amen. There are so many good things about this Christmas, all the festivities that go on. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it, but. Is that what Christmas is really all about? I mean, we know intellectually the answer is no, but it's so easy for us to make that the primary focus. What consumes our minds oftentimes is, oh, well, I hope I get what I asked for, or I'm thinking about these, these different games or these different festivities or ice skating. Like That's what my focus is, and we lose sight of, man, what is it really all about? We need this reminder of this passage, for behold, pay attention, this is the good news, this is why we're celebrating, it's the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We need that reminder because it's so easy for us to fall into the mindset because if you're not right with God, if you're an unbeliever, think of all the non-Christians out there in the world, that's all Christmas is to them, that's all it is. The fun decorating, 
a cool cheesy songs played on the radio. That's really all they got. And because that's all they focus on, it's really easy for us in the church to also get caught up with what they are focused on. Once again, what am I not saying? I'm not saying, hey, tear down your Christmas trees. (laughs) I'm not saying no more Christmas cookies. No, but while we're doing those things, which are great things to do, can we be thoughtful and remember why we're doing these things? This whole season, I mean, Christmas, what's right there in the front, it's all about Christ, Jesus Christ. Christmas can be so self-focused, all about me, 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 me. What I'm doing, what I wanted, what I got for Christmas. I mean, even in A Charlie Brown Christmas, um, when Charlie Brown's a director and handing out different roles, Lucy, um, spoiled brat Lucy, is like um, coming up to him like, trying to figure out what her role is. And she's like, well, aren't I going to be like the Christmas queen? Like, it's like, what? Like, what's this? Where's her Christmas queen? Like, and then she's like, yeah, like, it's, there's got to be a Christmas queen. And then like, she does like such a trap question. She's like, don't you think I'm beautiful, Charlie Brown? And it's like, whoa, like what in the world? Like, why are we even talking about this right now? Like, Lucy just so concerned about herself. It's like, hey, it's not what the plays about. It's not what this is about. It's not about you being the Christmas queen, but we need that reminder that, hey, Christmas isn't about us. And I know we know that. It's not like, oh, I've never thought about that. Christmas isn't about me. Wow, I should write. We know that, but do we live that out? Or is the consumption of our minds often self-focused? In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, The shepherds are out in the fields, keeping watch, and all of a sudden that angel appears. Already mentioned how big of a spectacle that must have been. Is it bright? I mean, it's hard for you to even picture what what they would be seeing. But what did the angel say? Hey, look at me, I'm kind of a big deal. Look at me, I can fly. Like, like was the angel like, Yeah, give it up for me? No. Angel says, hey, pay attention, not to me, but to what I'm saying and who I'm talking about. The Savior was quick to direct the attention to Christ. How often do you think about the birth of Jesus? I mean, one reason why I think this season is helpful is because probably the other 10, 11 months of the year, we don't even think about the birth of Christ. We don't even consider it. And we automatically assume because it's Christmas time, yeah, I, I, I do have to think about it more. But that might not even necessarily be the case. Just because it's Christmas time, that doesn't automatically mean that you focus on the birth of Christ more. You might not. This Christmas, you should resolve to say, I'm going to focus on what matters most. That's the birth of Jesus. And as I'm going around doing all these festivities daily, I want to remind myself, what is Christmas about? What is Christmas all about? What is Christmas all about? The birth of Savior Jesus Christ. That should be on the forefront of your minds. Well, how can we do that? How can we keep that the center of our minds? Day in and day out, be thoughtful about that. Well, maybe you can set a reminder on your phone. 
daily, say, hey, remember what Christmas is about. Remember Christmas is about Jesus' birth. To remind yourself, maybe you can set up a sticky note in your bathroom every time you go and look in the mirror or wash your hands. It's right there to remind yourself what Christmas is about. I mean, a great way to be thoughtful about Christ and during the season is to memorize verses. I mean, maybe you say, hey, I want to memorize, say, Luke 2, verses 10 through 11, because I want to keep my focus on Christ this Christmas. I think that would be a great thing if we all resolve that during this season, we're going to memorize Luke 2, verses 10 through 11, and we have a tool to help you with that. I'm going to have the leaders come down, uh, Becca and Kevin, and they're going to hand out uh, these two wristbands, these two wristbands. And what are on these wristbands, one is Luke 2.10, and the other is Luke 2.11. And on it, it says the reference, and then it has the first letter of each word in that verse on the wristband. And so I want you to wear these wristbands this season so that when you're going around doing these different um, activities, you're decorating, you're doing the family get-togethers, whenever you're going around and you look down and you see Luke 2.10 or Luke 2.11, you're reminded by what is Christmas all about? And hopefully, you're slowly memorizing these verses if you don't have it already. Yeah, you see like, what is attestifinable? It's like, whoa, well, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Then Luke 2, 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. By wearing this on your wrist, it can be such a practical reminder this month of, man, what is this all about? And when you're going around, and I've done this now, I've probably worn it for a couple days, and I already have these verses memorized just by a couple days having them on my wrist. And I think you, by the end of the week, could already have them memorized. But it's a helpful reminder every time I go and wash my hands and some water gets on my wristbands, I'll look down, I think, I'm reminded, this is what Christmas is about. Great thing, I think, to be helpful to you to keep the focus on what it should be. So wear those this Christmas. I'd strongly encourage you to do that. Memorizing God's word, this is, a, I think, a great tool that can help with that. Now, I want you to think of Luke 2, 10 through 11 from a different perspective. Oftentimes, we think of it from like the shepherd perspective as like we're the shepherds and we need to hear the good news from the angel and remind ourselves of the good news. Now, let's think of it from the angel perspective. The angel, the call by God sending the angel saying, hey, angel, you are a messenger. That's literally what the word angel means. Angel means messenger. So, hey, you're a spokesperson for God, and guess what your task, angel? We're not told which angel it is, um, but say, this is your task. You're going to go and proclaim the good news about Christ. I mean, it's not too far for you to figure out where I'm going with this. Call the angel is to go and proclaim the good news, we know our call as Christians is what? Proclaim the good news. But we need this reminder. Point number two. This season, we need to tell others about Jesus. Tell others about Jesus. That should be something that is a focus for us this season. The word good news in Luke 2.10, when the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy. That word good news, uh, euangelizo in uh, Greek, is the same word that we get evangelism from. So 
good news evangelism. It's the idea of proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the good news, bring about the good news. We should be excited to tell other people about this good news, tell others about Christ. I mean, have you ever gotten a present that you were so excited about that you just want to tell other people about? Like, oh, I got this for Christmas. And you're even asking other people, hey, what would you get for Christmas? Just so that they can ask you back, like, oh, what did you get for Christmas? And some of you laugh because you're like, oh, yeah, I've definitely done that. Like, it's like when you ask someone, how was your day? Just because you're trying to get them to say, oh, how was your day? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's finally, yeah, I was waiting for someone to ask me. And I was like, oh, you're tricky over here. But it's like, I remember, um, wasn't necessarily a gift. But my dad did pay for, for half of it, was getting my first car, which was um, the car that I, I currently have. And I remember driving up north to get um, this car, and I purchased, and with my dad, got this car. Think about it. First time having a car. Before, I was driving my parents' car around. It's like, okay, it's cool, but it's like not my own. Now it's like, I have my own car. It's under my name. Like, wow. I remember going around and like text my friends, like, hey, I finally got it. Like, oh, no way. Like, send me a picture. And like, taking a picture of my car. Like, oh, I got my car. Like, telling other people around, hey, I got this car. I got this car. And like, but as I was going around and super excited that I finally had my own car, um, not too long did it pass until I stopped telling people about my car. I mean, it's been a few years later, and I mean, I don't go around telling people about my car now. I'm not like, hey guys, I have this 2004 Honda Civic. Let's go, right? Like, like could you imagine? Like, every time I was like, dude, five years ago, I got this thing. It was Honda Civic 2004. Like, whoa. Like, you'd be like, okay, that's like kind of weird. It's like, like at first it's like, yeah, I want to tell everybody. But then pretty shortly after it's like, okay, old news, whatever. Everyone, everyone already knows that now I've got this car. And now it's like, well, it's an old car. Why you even like, you wouldn't even be excited and want to tell other people about it. See, it's easy for us if you're a Christian in the room, right when you become right with God to say, man, I am excited and I'm passionate about telling others about Christ. But then as you live the Christian life longer and longer and longer, you kind of lose your first love is how uh, book uh, Revelation talks about it, saying, oh man, I kind of get less excited about it. I'm not super passionate about it really anymore. We should be continuously excited to tell others about Christ. Be stoked to say, man, we've got good news. Why should we be excited to tell others about Christ? Well, I think one thing that's found directly in this passage is we need to remember who Jesus is. Remember who Jesus is. End of verse 11, it says, this is the good news. Who's born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Those three words, Savior, Christ, Lord, for only time in the, in the Bible where you find those three put right there together. Savior, Christ, the Lord. We understand what Lord means. Oh yeah, he's one in charge. Christ is the anointed one. He's the, the, the special one. Christ is the same word in the Old Testament, Messiah. Oh, it means anointed one, one set apart for a special task or duty. And then Savior, which starts it off in the front, is He's the one who is going to save us, as we know, from our sins. Savior. Why should we be excited to tell others about the good news? Because he's our Savior. Well, what did he save us from? Well, our sins, yeah, but what are our sins result in? 
separation from God. That's why it's good news. Because what we deserve is separation from God, punishment from him. But yet through Christ, we have a way to be made right with God. If you've experienced that good truth, your response should be, man, I, other people need to hear this message too. Other people need to respond rightly also. A couple passages that refer to the, what Jesus came to do, Matthew one twenty one says, she will bear a son. He's talking about Mary. You shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. Yahweh means God saves or Yahweh saves. Say, he's going to save his people from their sins. That's why he came. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's why he came. It's a good thing. We should want to share that with others, but oftentimes we have these excuses that pop into our minds of like, oh, I don't really want to have that conversation right now. I mean, let's think through what are some of the excuses we give why we don't do point number two, why we don't tell others about Jesus. And I think one of them, four, four reasons, I think, four primary reasons. I think there's a lot more, and I think in small groups this week, you'll be able to unpack maybe some of the other reasons why, why you are, are, don't do this as we ought to. One, fear and rejection. This could be a sub-point. Sub-point A, why don't we tell others about Jesus? Fear of rejection. Fear and rejection. We're afraid, what, are they, what is that person going to think about me? Man, that person at school is going to think I'm just that Jesus freak, always talking about Jesus. A kid on my sports team, oh, I don't want to hang around with them. Or even maybe people in the narrow. Oh, well, if I just keep saying, talking about Jesus, 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 it's like, oh, well, uh, it's going to be, people are not going to want to hang around me anymore. They're going to reject me. I think that's one of the reasons why we give, why we don't tell others about Christ as we ought to. Fear and rejection. That's the first one. Second one, I think is a, a lack of priorities. Lack of priorities. Lack of priorities. You say, I'm too busy. I don't have enough time. I mean, I've got school on my plate, and I've got chores at home, and I'm on the sports team, and I've also got uh, music rehearsal to go through, all these things, so much on my plate. I don't, I don't have the time. Too busy. I can't add another thing. You see how that's just an excuse? Because if I said, hey, uh, I need you for a day where I'm going to Disneyland. I'm going to pay for it for, uh, for, it for you. Uh, can you take a, a day out of your schedule to go to Disneyland? You'd be like, oh, yeah, let me cancel what I need to. Why? Because that's going to be a priority. Why isn't telling others about Christ a right priority? We need to prioritize it. It's the second one. Third one, maybe you don't feel equipped or like you know enough oh, I don't know enough about the Bible. Oh, it's like the pastor's job, or Nathan, that's your job to, to, to tell others about Jesus. Like, that's what your job is, or the small group leaders. That's not my task. Maybe someone at school is gonna ask a question about the Bible, and he's gonna say, oh, you dumb Christian. Yeah, what about this? And I'm not gonna know what to say, and all of a sudden, I'm gonna look dumb, and Christians are gonna look dumb because I, I don't know how to respond. I think often that is a reason, an excuse 
Because once again, oftentimes we say, oh, it's not an excuse. It was just a reason. It was just a reason. It's like, no, it's, it's an excuse. Um, reasons are excuses. Um, like, it's like, oh, just don't feel equipped. If you're right with God, you understand the gospel you understand the good news because in order to be right with God, you have to know about your sin that separates you from God and how to be made right with him by repentance and faith. If you know that, what more do you need to tell others about Jesus? I mean, at what point in your life are you going to say, oh yeah, I know enough about Jesus now to tell others because I, I can answer any question. It's like, there's always going to be questions that maybe someone will ask that you'll say, oh, I'm not sure. Can I look it up and get back to you? There's always going to be those questions. And hopefully as you grow older and older, you're going to keep learning answers to those questions. But guess what? More ones are going to pop up. And that's just going to be a perpetual excuse that you give because you're never going to make it to the point of, oh, yeah, I know enough. If you know, if you were right with God, that means you know the gospel and you know how to get right with God. That's all you need to start. That's all you need. Simple as that. The first one, fear and rejection, lack of priority, don't feel equipped. This last one, I think is the most common and unfortunately it's the most cynical of all. One reason why we don't tell others about Jesus is because of a lack of love for the lost. Because we don't really care about non-Christians. You don't really care that other people aren't right with God. I mean, if I was to say, hey, raise your hand if you don't care about non-Christians, like, I don't think anyone's going to say, yeah, I don't care about, like, it's like, no, I'm not going to say that, but oftentimes we will act like we don't care about them. Like we don't. We're just going to stay in our holy huddles and say, well, I'm not going to interact with anybody who's not right with God. I just got to stay away from them because, oh, no, stay, because I don't care about them. Who cares? Really? If we really believe what we say we believe, that those who are not right with God, their end is separation from God, hell, eternal punishment. We say we believe it. If we really believe it, how much do you have to hate someone to not tell them about Christ? Quite a bit. If you really care about someone, you really love them, you're going to tell them how to be made right with God. I think one of the most common reasons why we don't is we just like to stay in our holy huddles. I just want to, my only friends are the, the people that I interact with, are the ones here at, in my small group. That's all I'm going to ever talk to. I go to private school too and homeschool so I don't have to interact with any, uh, any non-Christians out there, um, which once again, that's just because they go to private school, homeschool does not mean everyone's Christian. I went, to private, uh, I went to a private school up until eighth grade. In my graduating class, I'd say, I'm confident to say zero believers at that point, including myself. I was self-deceived. Zero. But we like to say, oh, I'm just gonna stay away. No, if we care. For them, we're going to say, I want to share the good news. I want to tell them about Jesus. Romans 10, verses 13 through 17, I think gives us great encouragement. Verse 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Everyone, call on the Lord. You ask, you repent of your sins. Say, God, save me. He's going to save you. Put your faith in him. But then it goes on. It says, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? Well, they won't. How are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? If they haven't heard about God, how are they going to believe in him? Well, they can't. How are they to hear without someone preaching? Well, I guess they won't hear. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Well, I guess there won't be preaching. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Then verse 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. How are people going to be saved? Through us being diligent to follow God's command, which was his final task to the disciples. You remember Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, go therefore make disciples of all nations. Primary task, make disciples. And one aspect of that is sharing the gospel and the good news. And I want you to see how amazing of a thing that is. Think about the difference that you can make in someone else's life. It's, I know it's not you, it's God working in you and it's God who saves, not man who saves, but God can use you to share a message to someone else that if they respond rightly, changes their eternity. Think about that. Where before, this person was destined for hell. But because you were obedient, God used you to share this good news to someone else. Now, because they responded rightly, put their faith in Christ, they're no longer condemned to hell, but their eternity is heaven. Think about how an amazing thing that is. I mean, that should just like get you riled up to be like, man, I want to go talk to someone. Let me go share the good news with someone. Their eternity can be changed but I don't want to look like that Jesus freak at school. Really? Uh, I don't have time for it. That's the reason? Oh, I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't really even care about them. See, we should get fired up and say, man, God's given me a task. He's given me all I need. I want to go tell others about Christ. I think part of the reason why I was thinking of wristbands, because um, I think it also will be a great evangelistic tool. I mean, you might be at school and you're wearing this or you're interacting and someone's like, what is attestifin It's like, what in the world? It's like, why do you got a bunch of letters on your, on your wristband? Then they see like Luke 2.10. They're like, okay, I know what it is. But it's like, oh, hey, you know what Luke 2.10 says? And you've got it memorized. That's going to be a built-in accountability right there, whether you have it memorized or not. It's like, oh, well, let me look it up. It's like, no, you should have it down flat right there. And guess what? Now you have an opportunity to share the gospel. I don't know how many times I've been wearing compass shirts, T-shirts that have different things on it, and people say, oh, what's that all about? And it's an avenue to do point two, tell others about Jesus. Last point, Luke 2.10 and 11. Angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. See, this good news that we talked about, the birth of Christ, what should it cause? Good news of great joy, immense joy, gratitude. Put it this way, point number three, 
this season, we should celebrate Jesus' birth. Celebrate Jesus' birth. See, you're not going to have a joyful Christmas if you focus on all these other things. I mean, maybe for a little bit you'll feel happy, but sometime this month you're going to be, yeah, well, really, this is all it's cracked up to be? Or Christmas is going to end. You're going to open your presents, and it's going to be like, oh, well, January, and like, you know, that January turn where it's kind of like, oh, wow, there's like nothing to sell. It's like, if that's all you've got, it's going to leave you short, leave you wanting more. But if you have the joy that comes because the good news of Christ being born, that should cause greater joy than anything else. Celebration, rejoicing. See, believers are supposed to be characterized by joy. That should be something that describe us as Christians. I mean, if I was to say, what's one characteristic that should describe believers? If you had to pick one, I think you would probably say love. Probably say love. And I think that's a good one. Because... Um, First John talks about that, or even the fruit of the Spirit, love. Say, we need love, 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 love. Yeah, but you know what's right next to it, right behind it in the fruit of the Spirit? I know it's, it's not a ranking of like most important to least important, but often missed right behind it is joy. Believers should be known for their joy. A couple verses, write this down. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always, always. When I feel like it, no, always, Oh, I don't feel like it. Always. Again, I will say rejoice. Proverbs 17:22 says a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. We should be joyful as Christians. Are you someone who's characterized by joy? Maybe one of the reasons why you aren't joyful is because you haven't experienced the good news of Christ in your own life. You've been rejecting him. Maybe that's one of it. You see how much joy good news should bring. It's like you can, I remember once a year we would go as a family during Christmas time to Disneyland. And being a little kid, the night before, you it's like hard to sleep because you're like on edge, like waiting to like, oh, tomorrow we're going to Disney all day. Yeah, we're going, like, yes, can't wait. Um, some of you guys are still like, whenever you like going to Disneyland, it's like, yeah, I can't like, yeah, like, I'm talking leaders, too. So it's like, leaders, like, yeah, Disney, like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's okay. We can all be honest here. It's like, yeah, going to Disney, like, and, like, you wake up the next morning, you're like, man, I can't believe it's a day, and, like, you're waking up early, and, like, your mom doesn't have to get you out of bed and say, like, hey, it's time, like, you have to go to school. It's like, hey, it's like, no, you're just, like, pumped, you're psyched. Can we be people who are characterized by our joy? Can we do that? I mean, that's also a form of evangelism. That, hey, you stand out from the rest of the world who's just kind of going through life like, oh, yeah, I'm just like, like Eeyore, just like going around life like, okay, woe is me. It's like, oh, uh, great. Like, it's like, whoa, if you're someone who's characterized by joy, like, man, why is, why is Josh just happy all the time? What's up with that Josh guy? Like, he's just always smiling, always so happy. Like, Josh, like, like whoa, it's kind of weird, like, Avery's like just smiling 24-7, laughing. Like it all seems to have been a good time. Like why? I'm sad all the time. See, you can stand out and that can even be a form of evangelism. It's not the extent because you need to use words, but um, that can make you shine as a light in the world by your joy. We need to express our joy more than we do. Express gratitude and thanksgiving 
express thanksgiving to God. One thing we can do that is by praying thanksgiving prayers regularly. Another thing I think that's pertinent to this season to fill our hearts and our minds with joy is, is through Christmas songs. I mean, not like the ones that like play on the radio, like, Felice, not me, not. Like, like, or like, I want a hippopotamus. It's like, okay, like those, those like, those songs, like, it's like, okay, what are those about? But it's like, no, songs that are filled with lyrics that praise God. Those ones bring joy. Like, how can you listen, like, and be like, yeah, I'm really upset right now. I'm going to listen to Joy to the World and be really upset. Joy to the world. Yeah, I'm so sorry. It's like, you can't even, like, do it. Like, I don't know, maybe try this week to be upset and, like, listen to, like, a happy... It's like, it's hard to do it, not just because, like, the upbeat song, but, like, because of what the lyrics are saying. It's hard. It brings joy. And thankfully, to close out this message, we're going to have an opportunity right now to express our gratitude and thanksgiving to God through singing some Christmas songs right now. So let's pray. I know we don't typically do this, but I think it's fitting considering the closing of this message and the season, for us to sing some Christmas songs. So let's pray together, and then you guys can stand after, and I'll grab my guitar, and we'll sing some Christmas songs. So let's pray right now. God, we thank you for the birth of your Son, making a way for us that is possible through the incarnation. Help us now as we sing to you to be thoughtful of the words that we sing give you the praise and honor that you deserve. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.